So, uh, first, my wife is pregnant with our first child. There's only a few of you in here, so we'll have to... By process of uh, elimination, uh, how do we make sure our marriage doesn't fall through the cracks after the arrival of our baby? Go ahead. Well, that's a good question. Um, how's this? One thing that we've done over the last 50 years... Uh, and we had some pretty intense baby years. As I told the women, when we had a two and a three-year-old, I had twins. So we had four kids in three and a half years. And so it was pretty easy to get lost in the baby world. But one thing that we really tried to do was um, we went every year on a, some kind of anniversary trip. Whether it now in the early years, we didn't do anything too fancy. Didn't have any money. We didn't have any money. No. But we did try to make that a special event. And then we also tried to do weekly dates. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it was just um, staying at home and banishing the kids to another part of the house and having dinner privately over candlelight. But trying to really set aside special times for our relationship was, we found to be very helpful. Mm -hmm. So as we were married 20 years, our 20th anniversary, so I, I was, my income gradually went over. We had enough money to go away overnight. So we started then, every year on our anniversary, going out of town. For, and plus that our kids were older, so we could leave them. But we started going out of town every year on our anniversary for two or three days, just the two of us. And our, the anniversary of our first date is in November every year. So we, then we started going out in November. So every six months, we would go somewhere together for two or three days and just, you know, just rekindle our relationship. You have, you have to work at your marriage. You have to work at romance or it'll fly away. And that's a husband's job, guys. So yeah. God, just as Christ romanced the church. God calls us to romance our wives. So I think that's really important, and Judy's, Judy's right. And, of course, the wife has to want to go along with that. So, Yeah, you have to really want to celebrate your relationship and work at it. Yeah. And grandparents, and I told this to the ladies, it's really a great thing when you can watch the kids so your kids can get away. That would be really loving your grandkids to help your kids celebrate their relationship. All right, second question here. Uh, what if we have not been very good with discipline and my children are many times out of control or rude? How do I, we, begin to change? It's overwhelming. Oh, go ahead. Pardon? I didn't. Doug, I didn't understand the question. Say it again. I'm oh, it's, fine. The speaker here. it's fine. It's fine. Uh, the question is, what if we have not been very good with discipline and my children are many times out of control and rude? How do I or we begin to change? It's overwhelming. It's a great question. So I would say if the kids are, if, if all this is new to you and your kids are maybe seven, eight, nine years of age or something, then go to them and wind them up and say, kids, we've not been faithful to God. We've not done what God wanted us to do. We want to ask your forgiveness. We've not loved you the way God wants us to love you. Please forgive us. Here's what we're going to start doing. Whatever it is you need to change, you tell them what it is you're going to change, and then you do your best to walk it out. 
but that's, I'd humble myself before them. Let them know that you take this really seriously, that you're learning and growing just like they are. And um, I think generally kids respond favorably to that. That's a great question. I think too that, uh, you know, if, if you've got kids a little older, like coming into their early teen years, mm -hmm. obviously you can't be spanking them. So, uh, as I told one of the moms this morning, we tried to find the thing they loved the most and take it away from them. <laughs> Cell phones, cars, yeah. right? skateboards. You, you have to, as, again, as I told the women, you have to connect disobedience with pain. Our, and our, if they're too old to inflict a little bit of physical pain, then you take away their treasured items. Like video games. So my grandsons, my son Dave has five boys. They're all mostly junior high and high school. He can just about get any behavior he wants by measuring out video game time, okay? <laughs> You're smiling, Pete. You know what I'm talking about. You know, if you do what I want, if you do these, if you do all your chores this week, da -da 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 -da, you get an hour and a half to do video games with your friends. If not, no. So that's, you know, one thing that can work. You have to figure, if they get older, you have to... I have to figure out what their hot button is. How do you handle a strong-willed child where spanking stirs up more anger and not a softness? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to let my wife answer this one. This is a tough question. Well, we've, we've had an, an several strong-willed grandkids, and actually our son Dave was quite strong-willed. Um, and I... First of all, you have got to hang in there with them. It, you've, there, something has to be broken in. Their will has to be broken, not their spirit, but their will has to be broken. And you somehow need to communicate to them that you are going to win. Mm -hmm. They're not going to win this battle. Mm -hmm. You're going to win it, and you're in it for the long haul. You have to outlive their stubbornness. And I still think that, especially for the little ones, that spanking is the best thing to do. If they are not repentant and throw a fit, I think you need to spank them again mm -hmm. and s stick with it. Keep going until they come to a point where they're willing to repent and be reconciled with you and with God. No, that's a great, uh, uh, first of all, this is a very difficult problem and a very real problem with some parents. I, there was a guy at home who used to be in our church, Dale. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Could be careful how I tell the story, but he had a daughter who was just, wow, she was really strong-willed. He would discipline her, and she just would not break, you know. And um, I just can't, I can't tell what he did. To, can I tell the story what he did? He put her in a cold shower. It's the only thing that would work. And turn the cold shower on and just leave her in there until she, that worked for her. And, and she's an adult now, you know. We don't recommend don't, well, that. We don't recommend that. But I mean, the problem is, I'm just saying, this, is, this can be a very, very difficult problem that some parents face. And I use the example of JJ. Did I tell that to the men or did I tell that when the women were here? The story about JJ and Logan? Okay. So we had this couple at church, uh, Curtis and JJ, they have a son, Logan, who's now in his early 20s. Montana Wilderness School of the Bible, that's the outfit. And 
when he was about maybe eight or nine, his mom came to me after church one day just in tears. And she said, Logan is so strong-willed. He was their oldest child. I don't know what I'm going to do. I spank him, and then five minutes later, he's doing the same thing. I spank him again. Five minutes later, he's doing it again. And then I find myself getting really angry at him, and I'm afraid I'm going to lash out and hurt him, really hurt him. I mean, I'm just at wit's end. What should I do? And I thought, oh, my goodness. All I could think of to, to, to tell her was to persevere. You know, she couldn't let Logan win. And she did persevere. I said, within a year or two, Logan will break and he'll turn around. Well, he did. And now he's just a model kid. I mean, he's, he's one of the leaders in the church youth group. All the, all the girls think he's a hunk. You know, I mean, he's, he's a, he, he loves the Lord. He, so he graduated from high school. He went, took a year off and went to the Montana Wilderness School of the Bible. Have any of you heard of this before? Really? You know about that out here? Yeah. I'm going to teach there in a couple of weeks. I haven't been there yet. But anyway, so Logan went, and he was like a star pupil, you know. And he came back home, and now he's got a great job. And, I mean, he's... So that's such an encouraging story. I love to tell it because, and I would say that to you, if you've got a strong-willed child, same thing. Pray a lot. You may need to rebuke. It could be a demonic influence in your child's life, and you need to lay hands on them and, and pray, you know, that God would, I mean, there's all kinds of issues that we're, we're dealing with, but, but above all things, persevere. Keep going forward and give thanks because God has given you that child because you need that child. I hate to say that, but that's, God gives us, our children are not an accident. The children we get are part of God disciplining us. So we're disciplining our children, but God is really disciplining us at the same time. And so a child like this can be God building your character. Yeah. I, I have to say that our, our son Dave really exasperated me as a kid. I, as I told the women, some mornings I wanted to just get him up and say, let's just spank you now and get it over with. <laughs> but you have got to persevere. Yeah. Hang in there. It's a battle. Yeah. And God wants you to win it. And you also find, I, I shared this with the guys, that most of the time strong-willed children become the leaders in the church. So if you've got one of those, child's probably, the, child is, the child like that is generally not much affected by peer pressure when they get older because they're strong-willed. And they overcome peer pressure, and they become the leaders. So if you can hang in there with them, say to yourself, i got a diamond in the rough here. This is really difficult, but if I can get through this, this is probably going to be my most influential child when it's all said and done. And I'm going to hang in there with this child, hoping that, that this child will come under the influence of new birth. Dave was born again when he was 16. It's a radical change. And now he's pastoring our church in Spokane, doing a great job. So, you know, it's, um, I had no idea in a million years when we were going through that with him when he was little that I was ever going to be a pastor or he was ever going to be a pastor. So God has ways of working things out. Good. Uh, here's a, should you offer rewards when getting the desired behavior? Sure. Or should it be just the expectation? If so, how does this connect to the gospel? Oh, yeah, lots of rewards. Rewards, you know, you discipline and affection. Affection is one reward, but you can also motivate kids with, like, like my son Dave does with, with his sons, with uh, time playing computer games. There's all kinds of ways you can motivate kids, Yeah. I connect that with the gospel. Well, God motivates us with reward, doesn't he? 
big time. He's, he promises us amazing things if we persevere to the end. So, How do you encourage us to make wise decisions when it comes to things that aren't so black and white as in the Bible? Example, homeschooling versus public school, college away versus commuting, etc. Well, as far as uh, public school goes, uh, we, our kids, most of them went through public school, but I'm not sure that's a decision we'd make now. It's getting pretty dark out there. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the school. I think you have to be uh, really aware of what's being taught and who the teachers are before you send your kids to public school. Uh, some of our grandkids are in public school now, but the school they're in is, is, a, is a good school. We're in eastern Washington, which isn't as liberal and crazy as Seattle on the west side of the state. So there's still some good schools, but you need to be aware of what's being taught. And college, uh, boy, I've, there aren't many good colleges out there anymore, but um, there are some. Grove City is a great school, uh, but uh, I think the public, the big public universities, depending on what your kid's majoring in, are a petri dish of inoculation into wokeism. <laughs> but uh, you, you have to just, you have to know the schools. And what was the other part of the question? Just trying to discern that when things aren't so black and white as in the Bible, the yeah. things that are know, examples, some of these decisions the parents will, f will go different ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we can lay down rules about education. Mm -hmm. you, it's, it needs to be a little more... Um, There's two schools yeah. of thought here in the church. One of them is what Judy just said, and we agree. We have to be very careful with making black and white rules about education because the Bible doesn't say anything about where we send our kids to school. But the Bible does say that the father's responsible to educate the children, and the Bible says that we need to teach our children the contents of Scripture. So there are some Christian uh, people that teach on Christian parenting that are like us, that are more flexible. Other people like Doug Wilson and Ken, uh, out of Moscow, Idaho, we know Doug and Nancy, and our son goes, one of our sons goes to their church, are very black and white about this. So all public schools are evil. No public school is good. And... Um, Sometimes, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally critical of that. I'm just, uh, but we're, we, we would just say we're not that black and white. We want to, we would say that's a bit of a legalism because we're going beyond what Scripture actually says. But, the, you know, the, the, what a legalism is, is the application of a principle. Legalism always comes in the application. So the principle is children, educate your children in the ways of the Lord. Teach them Scripture. So how do we apply that? Well, the legalism comes in the application. Am I going to say that all public schools then are, are totally forbidden and bad? I would say that's an illegalism. Other Christians would say it doesn't. You're free to make a decision either way, but I'm just saying that because there are different approaches to this in the church, and I want to make you aware of that. So whatever approach you're taking, seek the Lord on this for yourself, is what we're trying to say.
Uh, here's a specific question to uh, circumstance here. Do you have any general advice in raising and teaching children when they are not raised in a godly household half of the time? So in a, in a broken family where there's uh, a divorce or something like that. Go ahead. I think you need to make the most of the opportunity they have in the godly household. And uh, I assume it's a a divorced family. Something like that. Yeah. So um, and I think we have to be very careful not talking negatively about the the other parent that's not the Christian. But um, that's, that's a tough one. I would just say make the most of the time the kids in the in the Christian home. Make it a very positive experience as I think has been a lot of what Bill has shared, mm -hmm. so that they're attracted to that. No, I don't. Uh, you nailed it. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> All right, a few more here, and then we'll we'll wrap things up. We're we're giving you some he some heavy duty things here. Uh, what methods did you use to instill a good work ethic, financial responsibility, and contentment? In your oh. children. Oh. oh. Financial responsibility and work. Well, I was very lucky because my father uh, pushed me from a young age to be financially responsible and to work. So, so now you may, I'm going to tell you the story. Some of you moms may freak out. <laughs> but, and my dad may have been overboard. Okay, when I was 15, my dad said, Billy's lazy. I was. Uh, he doesn't know how to work. I did. My dad grew up in the Depression, okay, on a farm. So he had a friend. We lived in Seattle at the time in Oregon who was a physician, and he had a very expensive show horses that were, were taken all around the northwest, up and down the west coast to state fairs and stuff. They were, these were like $300,000 horses to, to American saddlebreds, and they needed a, they needed a uh, a barn boy to clean the stalls and stuff. So they sent me to Oregon for the summer, and I lived with this physician, and I cleaned stalls, horse stalls, all day long. And I had three days off all summer. And I was incredibly homesick. I just about died of homesickness. So that was really good for me, though. Uh, my mother cried. I remember when I left and got on the bus to go, my mother cried and cried and cried. My dad said, quit crying. He needs to grow up, you know. <laughs> So with my kids, we did the same, not the same thing, although not as bad. So when Dave was 12, he got had a paper out. In fact, I just wrote a story about this. Oh, it's a, I'm working on a book on masculinity, and I put this in, in the book. Uh, so when he was 12, he got the, he weighed about 90 pounds soaking wet, and he was all excited for this morning paper out. And so Sunday, he started delivering the paper on Monday, and, and you know, the weekly papers are about that thick. And when Sunday came... About 5 o'clock in the morning, I hear the front door crash, close, and I hear Dave sobbing on the floor. <laughs> so I got out of bed, put my bathroom on, and I went downstairs. What's going on? I, you know, each Sunday paper was about this thick, and he had 60 of them. He could, put, he could only put five in the front of his pouch and five in the back. I can't deliver these papers. They're way too heavy. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, I mean, 10 of these papers weighed as much as Dave weighed, you know. And I looked at him, and I thought, oh, man, what am I, I'm not going to drive Okay, I'm either going to, he's going to figure this out because I'm not going to get up every Sunday morning and drive him around on his paper route. And I had a paper route when I was his age and my dad didn't drive me around. 
So everything in me wanted to get in the car and drive him around and deliver the papers. But I thought, no, I can't do that. I've got to push him. So I said, Dave, you've got to figure this out. You went with him. You went with him. First Sunday I did? Yeah. Did I walk with him? First Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I went with him, so I went with him once. My wife remembers better than I do. But after that, it was, you've got to figure this out, Dave. And he did. And it was a growing moment for him. In other words, we, got to, we have to push our kids. If they wanted a bike, I would say to them, okay, I'll pay for half the bike. You have to pay for the other half. So I made it so they could afford it, but I made it so they had to work for it. Always, when they went to college, I said, I knew how much they could make in a year, and I would say, let's say they could make enough money in a year to pay their tuition. I'll pay your board and room. You have to pay your tuition. So if they went to college, they all put their way through college. They had to pay their own tuition, and they emerged from college debt-free, except Joe. And, uh, but they had to work to make enough money to pay their part. So we worked really hard to instill in them uh, a work ethic, a financial ethic. So I think it's very important. Yeah, and they're doing that with their kids today as well, so that's, that's really good. Nobody got sent away from home to work with show horses. That's very good. It was like the circus. That's right. Well, you, you, we have worked you too hard, so thank you so much.